Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you blessed tonight? Hallelujah. Well, open your Bibles, if you don't mind, to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, seeing the multitudes, or in the original Greek it spoke, that he doesn't see the multitudes, he sees each one as he saw them in his mother's womb. How important every individual is. How important each and every one of you are tonight. His personal disciple. And we are so honored and privileged to better study His life-giving Word and be changed and transformed. And thank God He is completing that work which He started in us. But also, how many are thankful for the mercy of God that is there just because we, we didn't arrive where we're supposed to be yet? How many know He's still working on me? How many know He's still working on you? And who's the few that are already perfected? Let me see your hands. Hallelujah. Thank God for the mercy of God. But I want you to see here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. I love the message. It says, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. And those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. And this is what he said. And you know, I love that. But how many of you know, it says those who were committed. And tonight... And as we start getting into, he was, it was so good, you know, you, you read, blessed are the hunger, and blessed are this, and we went through all that. And all of a sudden, we are now where Jesus switched, and he starts preaching the life of a righteous man and woman. And really, this is where you see, he starts saying who is going to be committed. And how many know, the way we live our daily lives shows how committed we really are to living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And... Uh, I want you to look tonight where we're going to be studying on Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it has been said of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. Whoever says you fool will be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him. Lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Assured I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. We want to study this tonight. And he is addressing the human nature. How many have ever had a fight with anger? Anybody ever had a fight with anger? Two of us in here. You are so wonderful. Glory to God. Two people raised their hands. Well, you didn't have to raise your hand for that. But how many you know we don't have to look there tonight? But in Ephesians, let's look at this. Ephesians chapter 4. Hold your place there. And let me just give you a few scriptures about holy anger. Ephesians chapter 4. Before we talk about unholy anger. Righteous anger and unrighteous or unholy anger. And I want you to see in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26. I love the living Bible. It says... And don't let and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. You know, the doctors prove that 
Anger and unforgiveness is a lot of the reason for sickness and disease. Anger, past the setting of the sun, is a lot of reason for not sleeping good at night. And so there's all kind of footholds that the Lord wants us to conquer. And it says in verse uh, 31, get rid of all bitterness. Don't make an excuse for it. Don't tell people I'm German or I'm Indian or Apache or this or that or the other. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Amen. But I want you to see also, in Mark chapter 3, where it talks about holy anger. Mark chapter 3. It says, not, don't, let, don't sin and let anger control you, but there's a place for righteous anger and You'll feel that a lot of times, especially in intercession or ministering to the sick or the needy or addressing evil spirits. Uh, you'll feel many times a righteous anger come upon you. Nehemiah, you can read in Nehemiah, I believe it's chapter 5 or 6, where Nehemiah was angry and addressed the people. And it says he was angry and he got mad because people were taking advantage of people. And I want you to see in Mark chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus getting angry here, it says... He's wanting to heal somebody on the Sabbath day and the Pharisees and Sadducees are attacking him. Then he said to them in verse 4, it says, Then he said, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand. And his hand was restored. Shout out restored. As whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. If there was something Jesus or the Holy Spirit cannot stand is that religious self-righteous added to the hardness of the heart to say to even when Jesus is wanting to minister in mercy to try to stop him from even helping somebody. And so you could also read uh, in Mark eleven fifteen and 17. How many of you remember when Jesus turned the tables over and made a whip and gave them a good whipping? That was righteous anger. There's a place for righteous anger. You know, Sister Carolyn spoke last week about Braveheart. And uh, the Bible says to forgive those who do unjustly towards you. And as, as you remember in the movie and you read in history, that the English lords made it a rule that they... They could go and they, could, they were the first in line to have relationships on the bride's honeymoon night. The, uh, the Irish women, when they would get married, the English lords would take them on their honeymoon night and go with them before the husband could. And the people just had to let that happen. And can you imagine, we talk about we forgiving people that might looked at us the wrong way or did us wrong. Or some people say, you know what, that person owes me money and I'm not talking to them anymore. Or, you know, I can't stand that person. But can you imagine people around the world, especially in other countries, who are going through so many things, like the lady in Colombia, where that huge revival has been for years. They shot her husband, uh, that great pastor there in Colombia, shot him to death in front of the church. And she and the children found him. And so many places where God gives a supernatural grace to forgive. 
But how many of you know Braveheart, uh, William Wallace, was a, was a believer and a man of God. And there's a part of his history that the movie don't show where the Lord would speak to him and show him strategies on how to fight and how to attack and how to give God all the glory. And how many of you know that God gives strategies? There, there's a righteous anger that comes up and many people say, you know, I, I, I don't feel right because I watch the news and I get anger when I hear about this happening and that happening. Maybe you heard on the news last night, this father that, that strangled from Pakistan who lives in California somewhere, strangled his daughter to death because uh, she broke an engagement with a, uh, a planned marriage. And you hear these things and, you know, people say, well, you know, you're supposed to just forgive and forget. But how many of you know that sometimes the spirit of righteous anger will come upon you in intercession and prayer? And sometimes you just got to speak to that spirit. And you just got to pray a revival in California, in, in, in that land and other states where things are happening that shouldn't happen. Laws are being passed that shouldn't be passed and pray that God is going to move in America. And I believe that's what's going to happen come August in Washington, D.C., when maybe close to a million people are going to be at the mall in Washington praying that God is going to move in America. Amen. Amen. But, you know, like William Wallace, he just, you know, they had to accept things for a while. But then he just felt that it was time to do something about it. And the righteous anger is when something comes upon you and, you know, there's just something you've got to do about it. We don't hate the homosexuals, but we hate the demonic spirit behind homosexuality. We don't hate the child molesters, but we hate the spirit of perversion that has twisted their mind and their hearts to do things to children and so forth and so on that they shouldn't. And we have authority over that and we have a right to bind it and attack it in the name of Jesus and not sit idly by. I believe that the Christians in America is going to be pushed into a corner to where we're going to have to raise our voices. And some may end up in jail for raising up their voices and speaking the truth. But I believe that there's going to come a holy anger in in the church, in, in, in the ministries. They're going to rise up and speak the truth. And if they get angry and they put us in prison or whatever they end up doing, somebody is going to have to still get up and speak the truth and count the cost no matter what. Amen. But what Jesus is talking here. Is about forgiving those who've trespassed against you. So before we get into his message, I thought I'll sugarcoat it a little bit before we get into it. You know, Sunday morning, the Word of God says that in Sunday, what we do on Sunday mornings, we exhort. Sunday night, we challenge. And Wednesday night, we rebuke. But before we get into that, and it's all in the Word, amen? But before we get into that, somebody said... A chip on the shoulder is a sure sign of wood higher up. Will Rogers said, people who fly into rage always make a bad landing. Phyllis Diller said, never go to bed at night mad. Just stay up and fight. I don't know about you, but nothing makes me want to hurl a chair through the window and punch someone's lights out. Like being told I need anger management lessons. <laughs> Your anger is like bubbles in a can of soda. The more you're shaking, the more you want to let it out. The longer you keep it in, the greater the size of the explosion. And the flatter the drink is at the end. Benjamin Franklin said, anger is never without reason, but anger is never without reason, but seldom a good one. Anyone can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not easy. Anger is like a stone cast into a wasp's nest. 
Here's old Chuck Norris. Men are like steel. When they lose their temper, they lose their worth. When you realize you've made a mistake, make amends immediately. It's easier to eat crow while it's still warm. I like that one. Love is the real love in the real world world means saying you're sorry ten times a day. So anyway, I just thought I'd give you those things. Now let's study the word of God. Amen. Jesus is speaking about an unholy anger, and I want you to see there in Matthew five, verse twenty two. But I say to you, Jesus says, I'm telling you what. Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever is angry with his brother is quoted from Exodus 20:13, where it says, Thou shalt not murder. And listen, how many of you know what Jesus is saying here? Murder is not just something done on the outside. He's saying you can commit murder in your heart without doing it outwardly. You could have already done it inwardly. And he's warning about that. And he says here, without a cause. And if you're taking notes, write this down because this is interesting. That without a cause speaks of repressed anger. Repressed anger. You know, it's amazing. There's people that seem like they never get angry. But you know, how many know, even though they may not say nothing, how many know sometimes you can see the anger in the eyes? Sometimes you can see the redness in the face. And you really know you got a, something, something when you see somebody start trembling. They don't say nothing. But you see them start trembling. Repressed anger. And I found a quote by an old uh, Quaker lady who was being complimented because of her apparent gracious reactions to any unkindness that she gets. And with a smile she replied, But thou dost not see the boiling on the inside. That's repressed anger. He says, without a cause. And that's that anger that someone just holds in. And how many of you know repressed anger can be even more dangerous than anger that you let out? You're hurting yourself. And so how many of you know that we've got to learn how to walk in the fruit of the Spirit? Read about the fruit of the Spirit. Read the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, about the love of God and work on that. Amen? She said, but thou does not see the boiling on the inside, but what Jesus is saying here, but God does. We can say, you know, nobody will ever see me get angry. Nobody will ever see me respond or react like I should. But how many of you know God sees that? Amen. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read a few scriptures to you tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. We reread that already, didn't we? Okay, well, let's go to First uh, Peter chapter 3. It was so good, I thought we'd read it twice. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Look at this. Let me read in the message. Summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions. No retaliation. No sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job. Look at your and say, blessing is your job. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. 
Whoever wants to embrace life and see the days fill up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Get evil and get rid of evil and cultivate good. Run after peace for all your worth. God looks at all this with approval, listening and responding well to what he's asked. But he turns his back on those uh, who do evil things. The King James talks about, I, I like it in the ninth verse, it says, not returning evil to evil or reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, blessing knowing that you were called to do this, that you might inherit a blessing. Now, isn't this something here that we can claim that we have the blessings of Abraham, but isn't it something that we just read in Ephesians 4 and we're reading here that we have already, we are positioned to inherit blessings from God. But then there's a, there's a thing there. But if you're angry, but if you're angry, and Jesus gathered those committed together and he says, if you're, if you're angry, you're going to lose out on inheriting your blessing. And so many times we wonder, you know, Pastor, have you, you see anything wrong with me? I have people tell me, Pastor, have you see anything wrong with me? Just tell me. You know, it's not my job to tell you. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to tell you. And you've got to go ask the Holy Spirit. Because you see, I see surface. I see on the surface. How I many know the Holy Spirit sees in the heart? And he knows when we have repressed anger. He knows when we are angry with someone, when we're not forgiving somebody. And it's those little foxes that spoil the vine. And listen, Jesus, and we read it there, without any, uh, without any uh, exception, without any exception, forgive. Period. Don't be angry. Don't retaliate. Don't try to get back at them. He didn't say, except for those who really have a reason to get angry. And do you know when Jesus was speaking about not being angry and, 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 and calling names and so forth and so on, do you know He was talking to a people who were under bondage by the Romans? Do you know He was talking to a people who were paying higher taxes than they should have? He was talking to people where the Romans could come in and grab all the animals and the bread and everything they worked real hard for. And they couldn't say nothing or retaliate. And he was saying, you've got to just forgive and let it go. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. How many know that is something that's hard to do? He was talking to people who were living in conditions that in the natural, you'd have to have the grace of God to be able to forgive. Well, how many of you know we do have the grace of God to be able to forgive? Amen? Because if we don't forgive, we're hurting ourselves and we're cutting off the blessing. You know, when you walk with the Holy Spirit, and and there's been times in my life uh, where I've asked God for something. And the Lord will bring bring up my wife. I said, have you asked her, do you apologize to her? Well, Lord, I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about I need this. He says, well, how about you go apologize to her? Then let's talk about your need. First go and get it right with her. Then come to me and let me know what you need. And it's the same way with our brothers, our sisters, with uh, other people that we know. If there's something wrong, maybe we need to go get it right with them. And then he says, then I'll hear you. Then I'll answer you. It's an inherited blessing. And so back in 5.22, it says, watch out. Let's go back to Matthew 5.22. It says, watch out for he who calls his brother Raka. And let me explain this to you, what Jesus is talking about. He says, by saying to you, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, that's repressed anger, shall be in danger of the judgment. And I'll, mention, I'll talk about this in a minute. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. Now, I want to stop right there. That word Raka 
is anger that is not kept inside. That is a name of scorn or to attack somebody. It comes out. Raka is a to- it's in the Greek means the tone of voice. And this is words like, well, you're just this. Well, you're just that. You know, you're nothing but a thief. You know, you're nothing but a liar. You know, you're, you're, you're nothing but, but a hypocrite. That's the word raka. That's anger that comes out. Now, there's an anger where we may thank it about someone. But Jesus goes to the second level where we express it through words. You know, you're, you're just a liar. You're just a thief, he says. Be careful because you will be in danger of the council. These words cause harm. How many know words can cause harm at work, at home? Children, even adults today are needing healing in their soul because the words that were spoken to them are over them when they were a child. Spoken out of anger. I wish you would have never been born. That's Raka. And the Lord says, be careful because you are in danger of the council. For speaking angry and lashing out at somebody. Amen, church. You know, if we've done that with our kids, we need to apologize to them. We've, we've done that to our brothers or sisters or our mom and dad or whoever it might have been. We need to apologize to them and get that right. James 4.11 says, do not speak evil of no one. Amen. Now, W.E. Vines tells a story about a brother... Uh, who was attacked by a fellow Christian in a local church to such an extent, it says that this man's health was affected, leading to ultimately his death. Before he died, however, the slanderer came to see him begging for forgiveness. The man replied, I forgive you completely, said the dying saint, but I ask for you one favor. Would you take this pillow and would you, under my head, and would you slit it open with a pair of scissors and empty all the contents of the feathers out of the window. The instructions was obeyed to the letter. Now, said the bedridden man, would you go out and gather all the feathers? Well, that's impossible, said the Christian brother. How right you are, was the reply. Nor can you ever undo the harm which you have effected in our local church and in my life as a result of your slanderous tongue. Hmm. Almost brought a pillow, but I would have got in trouble with my wife for getting it all over the floor. But how I many there's a lot of feathers in a pillow? And that's something to think about. There's a lot of harm that goes out with just a little bit of words. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he goes on to say, And whoever says, You fool. Now, what this means in the Greek is that this is a man who turns upon his brother with hatred and calling him a fool. The word fool there speaks of the worst of insults. It means to be disrespectful. And here Jesus says it's the same as committing murder. First thing he speaks about is silent, repressed anger. Then he speaks about open anger where we jump out and we lash. But now he's speaking about someone who, when he say fool, it's at the level of attacking so harshly that Jesus says the way you're acting towards them is the same as someone committing murder in their heart. I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And verse 15.
How I many know Jesus is speaking and uh, John is speaking to believers here too? And it says in 1 John 3, verse 15, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. John says it so clear right there. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about those in the church. Amen. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And the message says, and you know very well that eternal life and murder don't go together. What John is saying here, according to the Greek, is when we hit this stage of anger, we are denying that we have ever accepted Jesus as our Lord. How many of you know this is for the committed, those who want to climb the mountain? And I believe this is, you know, people search all over for the fountain of youth. I believe getting rid of anger is part of the fountain of youth. I believe it's one of the laws for the good life. I believe it's one of the laws to sleep well, to live well, to be at peace with God and be at peace with ourselves. Now, I am not saying that it is easy to forgive with some of the things that some have had to go through and live through. But it is a requirement by Christ our Lord to be after Him. And how many of you know Jesus was the first four things Jesus said on the cross was all unselfish. It was nothing about himself. It was all about others. And the most unselfish act of Christ was when he said from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so we have to, we have to follow Christ and learn to forgive because he says, if you hate your brother or you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, you are no different than a murderer. And if you have gotten to that level of hate and anger, then it's like as if you have never accepted Christ in your heart and there's no fruit of you being a Christian at all. There's a story. How many of you know there's some murderers in church who need to get saved? Isn't that some way you think about it? We think about the murderers in prison, but there's some murderers in church. And he's saying you need to get saved. There's a story about Alexander the Great in front of his men that he was blinded by anger because a drunken, his drunken best friend from his childhood started teasing him. And it says, without thinking, blinded by anger and quick as lightning, Alexander snatched a spear from the hand of a soldier and hurled it at his best friend. Although he had only intended to scare the drunken general, his aim was true and the spear took the life of his childhood friend. Deep remorse followed his anger. Overcome with guilt, Alexander attempted to take his own life with the same spirit was stopped by his men. For days he lay sick, calling for his friend and ridiculing and attacking himself as a murderer. Alexander the Great, who conquered cities and countries and nations, failed miserably to control his own spirit. Now let's go back to Mark chapter 5. And let me explain some more of these things with you. Say with me, thank you, Jesus. For the spirit and the grace for self-control. How many know we're growing in self-control? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. In verse 22, it says in Matthew 5. But I say to you, whoever is angry without his, with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment and whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. Now I want to start off with that word council, which is the word for the Sanhedrin or the Supreme Court. And what Jesus is talking about there 
is that and, and uh, is talking about rough words. And how many of you know in Hebrews chapter four, twelve through thirteen, it talks about the the sword of the spirit that is able to cut asunder, and how the the word of God can cut. Well, he's saying the Sanhedrin, and in the old law, the Sanhedrin had the the, the uh, rights to kill people with the sword, to to slay them with the sword if they found them guilty of something. And he was saying, if you attack your brother in this level of anger, you are worthy of death. That's what Jesus is saying. That if you attack or if you hold unforgiveness towards somebody, it's as if you can be handed over to the level of judgment of the Sanhedrin to where they have the right to take your life at the edge of the sword. Or in other words, if you hold on to that type of anger, you're committing suicide. Because that counsel represents those who are able to take your life or take your future away from you. How many of you know only the Holy Spirit and the Word can deal with the anger of the heart? I want to show you an example. Well, just write this down. In 1 Timothy 1.20, two men came against Paul and caused trouble in the church. What did, he, what did Paul say? Whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. The message translation says that they may be taught a lesson or two. That speaks of the level of the word counsel. That if we tack our brothers with our tongue, if we lash out and attack our brothers and sisters and hold unforgiveness and let the sun go down on our wrath, we're entering into an area where we could be loosed into the hand of Satan to learn a lesson that we've got to learn to forgive and slandering and gossiping and criticism brings us to the level of counsel to where, like Paul said, I handed them over to Satan that they learned a lesson not to come against leadership or not to come against one another. So how many of you know that's pretty tight right there? Amen? Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And you can go back and read that in 1 Timothy 1.20. But in 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let us who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as, as to a faithful Creator, It says, so that you're suffering in a manner that pleases God. Keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. Amen. I mean, you know, that Jesus was right to the point. They understood what Jesus was talking about when he said that if you speak out and you attack your brother, or your sister, you're in danger of the council. You're in danger of being... Put out, you're in the danger of being put under the curse. You're being in the danger of even being released in the hands of Satan as Paul did. And that's the level that Jesus was speaking of anger. And then in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that you're even in the danger of the fire of hell. Or judgment. It says that in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus called his disciples. He says, 
If you don't forgive your brother, if you're lashing out anger and you, you hate or you have anger to the point of murder, you're in the judgment of hell. And that word hell speaks of a place in the Greek where they would burn the bodies of the prisoners who died in prison or the bodies of animals that died. And instead of uh, there was a place outside of the town where they would burn them. And it says where the fire never dies, neither does the worm. That's the judgment. Look with me. Well, let me just read to you. Mark 9, 44. Where the worm never dies and the fire never goes out. Where the worm never dies and the fire never goes out. Now, I know people would, would ask the question, uh, well, you know, I'm not going to lose my salvation because I don't forgive nobody. Well, study what the words of Jesus is saying here. I'm not saying you will, but I'm saying this. It says that you are heading for the judgment of hell. Jesus said that. You are heading for the judgment of hell. You can be handed over. That word counsel, you can be handed over. And then it says that if judgment starts in the house of God first, and you know, a lot of times, you know, we are God's special children and He loves us, but look, a lot of times we think, they did me wrong. Well, I'd hate to be in their shoes. And Jesus is saying, oh, oh, oh I, I, you don't want to be in your own shoes. Because Christians were so fast to say, boy, God's going to judge that brother. God's going to judge that sister. God's going to judge that person. I sure hate to be in their shoes. And God is saying, wait, 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 wait. They're a heathen. They don't know me. You know me. And guess who I'm going to judge first? Not that person. I'm going to judge you first. Because judgment starts in the house of God. Judgment starts with the believers. And before I judge them for what they did to you, I'm going to judge you for not forgiving them. Oh, now, I'll encourage you on Sunday. But Wednesday night, it's discipleship, and this is the truth. And we'll all stand before Him. But I'd rather hear this and deal with it now than stand before my Master. And He says, Russell, come here. i got some cases here where you did not forgive. But I have to stand before Him and look at the scars and Russell, put your hands, put your hands in my hands, and put your hands in my side. Touch my my crown on my head. Look at my back, Russell. Put your finger in my feet. I went through all this, and I forgave with all of my heart. Why couldn't you forgive such a simple thing? Jesus is speaking of maturity here. And we all have battles. We all have areas where we have to work on and we have to fight. But he said that if we don't forgive and we don't let go, that is holding back the inheritance of the blessing. And how many wants the blessing? I want the blessing. But I don't want this, these things holding me back. How many of you know it can be fixed? Look at John chapter 5. I'm not going to leave you there. Because you'll be living here tonight saying, I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. <laughs> John chapter 5 verse 24 verse 23 therefore if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there before the altar it means it can be fixed 
and go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with the adversary quickly while you are on the way with him. Lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer. Here's the levels of judgment again. And you will be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Or in other words, you are not getting out of your present condition until you get it right. You're not going to advance. You're not going to be promoted. You're not going to be blessed until you get it right. And as hard as it seems, as hard as it looks, you've got to get it right if you want to go into the next level and allow God to bless you. Amen. Amen. Now I want you to write down one of the things here. It talks about someone going. If you go to the altar and you go to present your gift and you remember you have something wrong against someone, this is the word there, sensitivity. If you're going to the altar before God with an open heart, that's one of the most sensitive times you can have with God. And it's amazing. It's there when you're praying, when you're fasting, when you're seeking God. It's amazing. That's where you become real sensitive. And you're, you just feel, oh, Lord, Father, I just love you. I just worship you. And you just feel so good. And you just feel the washing of the Holy Spirit and the Word. And all of a sudden, you become so sensitive. And then a small voice comes before you and say, you've got to forgive your Father. Well, Lord, that's not what I'm here for. He says, yes, it is. That is why you're here. To get into the sensitive area where you've got to get it right before we're right. That's what Jesus is teaching here. Amen. These are the teachings of Jesus. To be sensitive. Am I grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit? Because He's super sensitive. To, this is what Jesus is saying. The Holy Spirit is super sensitive to anger and unforgiveness. He's super sensitive to anger and unforgiveness. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Leave your offering at the altar and go get it right with your brother. I know you've heard of Oswald Chambers uh, in his devotion. He says, he has a comment. The sense of heroic sacrifice is not good enough. The thing that the Holy Spirit is detecting in you is the disposition that will never work in His service. No one but God can detect that disposition in you. Have you anything to hide from God? If you have, then let God search you out with His light. If there is sin, confess it, not admit it. Well, that's something there. Confess it, not admit it. We do a lot of admitting, but we don't do the confessing. Are you willing to obey your Lord and Master, whatever the humiliation to yourself may be, never discard a conviction. Father, we thank you right now that the Holy Spirit is with us to convict us and to teach us and to guide us into all truth. And Lord God, we take that scripture and we pray and we claim it for the truth of the word of God. But Lord, we also right now stand before you open naked and unashamed by the blood of Jesus. That Lord, we're even, we are open for the truth about that which is even hidden in our heart. Lord, we believe and we know that you have given us senses of where the waves of revival have come in here. And we have sensed and we have seen your sovereignty. But Lord, we also know that you are perfecting us as your bride so that the full manifestation of your glory will come to word of grace. We thank you that you are raising up disciples and that we are sensitive. Not about our rights, but about your rights. 
to go there, to talk to us, to correct us, and to lead and to guide us. So we thank you for that correcting us in Jesus' name. Amen. He says, first, be reconciled to your brother. Reconciliation, forgiving. Maybe you'd have to write a letter or a call. It says, agree with your adversary quickly. Oswald Chambers also wrote this. Do the thing quickly. Say quickly. You know, how many of you know, it says not to give the devil a foothold. The longer we go without asking for forgiveness and trying to work it out, the stronger the roots of unforgiveness and anger grow. And it's amazing once those roots start growing, the other things that connect to it and just cause the roots to be even stronger. And so it says, do it quickly. Bring yourself to judgment now. In moral and spiritual matters, you must do it at once. If you do not, then you are stopping the process of the work that God began. God is determined to have His child as pure and clean and white as driven snow. And as long as there is disobedience in any point of His teaching, He will prevent none of His workings of His Spirit. Our insistence on proving that we are right is nearly always the indication that there has been some point of disobedience. Wow. Wow. I have been guilty of that. As pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as a friend, I've been guilty about that. I've got to defend myself. I don't have to defend myself. I've got to admit, Lord, I'm wrong. I need your mercy. I need your grace in my life. No wonder the Spirit is so strongly urges us to keep steadfastly in the light. Agree with thy adversary quickly. Have you suddenly turned a corner in any relationship and found that you have had anger in your heart? Confess it quickly and quickly put it right before God and be reconciled to that one and do it now. I want to finish with a story about a young boy named Danny who was praying on his mother's knee. He started praying. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. How many of you ever prayed that song when you were a child? I prayed it. Prayed it until I got married. <laughs> then she told me, you ought to learn to pray something else, baby. But he got to the point, if I should die before I wake. And then he stopped. If I should die. Go on, go on, Danny, said his mother. You know the rest of the prayer. Wait a minute, interrupted the small boy. Scrambling to his feet, he hurried downstairs. In a short time, he was back. Dropping to his knees, once again, he took off with the prayer where he had left off. Finally, his mother questioned him about the episode and issued a a loving rebuke. Danny explained, Mom, I did think about what I was saying, but I had to stop and put all of my brother's wooden soldiers back on their feet. I had turned them on their heads just to see how mad he would be in the morning. But if I should die before I wake, I wouldn't want him to find them out like that. Lots of things seem fun if you're going to keep on living. But you don't want them that way if you should die before you awake. You're right, dear, said the mother with a quiver in her voice. She thought of herself and many other grown-ups who should have stopped in the middle of their prayers to undo some wrong against another Before proceeding. Wow. Amen, church. I mean, this is pure. This is the pure stuff. This is the pure word. This is the teaching of Christ. And what I appreciate about you in this church is that we don't want to water down gospel. 
If it cuts me, cut me up. But my Savior has the water and the wine to heal me once I'm cut up. And how me know this pricks. There were some people that came to my life. I, I, my mind, even today, I, I asked Cindy if she remembered a certain pastor from the area of Argentina and Chaco, and she didn't remember him. But I woke up with him on my mind, and I prayed for him today. And uh, I don't remember what the issue was about, but I said, Lord, if there's any unforgiveness, there was a reason he came to my mind. And if there's any reason towards this pastor, I forgive him in Jesus' name. And Lord, forgive me for harboring anything in my heart that's not against him. And I, we don't even remember his name. My wife don't even remember him. But I could remember his face as clear as can be. I remember walking down the road with him. I said, yes, Holy Spirit. If I did something to offend him, forgive me. You know, it's amazing how many things you'll bring to our hearts and our minds. But you and I both, I know you want, you want to serve Jesus with all your heart and soul and your mind. I don't, want, I don't want judgment to be found having to come through this house or through us. We've already been through a pruning Believe in God, we don't have to go through another one. But individually, we will go through prunings. How many are going through a pruning? I'm going through a pruning right now. I got intercession. Before we started intercession last night, I grabbed the words and I went to every section. And I repented and blessed and broke any negative word I've ever spoken against anybody or over anyone who sits in a chair. And then I repented over the youth. The missionettes, war rangers, over every ministry and the leadership of that ministry, that if I ever said a critical, judgmental word over them, over the worship team, now or in the years past, last night publicly, I repented for that, and I just started blessing them, blessing them, and blessing them. I'm not bragging. It's nothing to be bragged about. I'm trying to save my hide. <laughs> Any of you got a hide to say? Don't want it nailed to the barn? He's teaching this because he knows our frail nature. And he changed the message. He says, oh, I know you're hungry for more of me. I know you want more of me. And he said, blessed, 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 blessed. Then he got to the point. Now we're going to talk about your human nature. I want to talk about the first thing. Isn't it something the first thing Jesus addresses? Let's talk about anger. Let's talk about unforgiveness. Let's talk about the levels of judgment that we bring upon ourselves. Ain't no rebuking the devil. We bring upon ourselves for not forgiving and responding, reacting in anger. So let's stand up. Oh, yes, baby. We, uh, I wanted to look around real quick. How many of you have come to Ladies Mentoring? Remember about, what, a month ago, not this last one, but the time before that, we had one of our questions that was left unanswered because we didn't know the answer to it. Well, I think Pastor answered our question, so... Why uh, Yeah, he's so good at answering our question. I should have just asked him, huh? In John chapter 8, when we did John chapter 8, verse 44 said this, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. For he was a murderer from the beginning Mm. and abode not in the truth because Mm. there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so our question was, 
where it said he was a murderer from the beginning, and we kept trying to figure that out. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. I don't. We couldn't figure that out. Remember that? Did it, was it spiritual death? What was the deal? Well, Pastor tonight used First uh, John three verse fifteen, where it says, "Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer." <laughs> there we go. And you know that no murderer has eternal life. And so the devil lost his eternal life. He was so full of hatred that hatred turned to murder because in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, the devil tells Eve, you shall not surely die. So he committed murder right there. Whenever he said, you shall not surely die, and we thought, well, maybe it was a spiritual death. That was a physical death. Until they fell, they would have never died. But because they fell by his words, by his hatred and his scheme, they did die. And they died physically. But he lied to them and said, you're not going to die. That's a lie because they did die. And we all die. And you were talking about before I lay me down to sleep, you know, pray the Lord before I I die. You know, and so I was just putting all this together. So it's hatred... That the devil comes at us and says, you know, even though you don't forgive that person, or even though you're angry and you hate that person, it's not going to affect your relationship with God. How I many of you know he's a liar? Because hatred kills. It's a murderer, and it kills our relationship with the Father. Because it says if we have hatred in our heart, he doesn't even hear us. So it kills your relationship with God. That's what hatred does. Yes, and is. the devil is the one that's instigating the hatred. So if you have hatred, it comes from the devil. He's the instigator of it, and he wants to cut you off from the blessing. And that's the death. So we got our answer. Thank you. That's good. Wow, that is good. Now just pray this. This is going to be in a spiritual sense. Thank you, Father. That I was conceived in love in your heart from the beginning of time. I'm created in the image of love. I live the life of love. I love everyone as my father loves. I make a decision. To please you in all things. Forgive me for any area of anger, of lashing out, slander, criticism, or judgmental spirit. Forgive me for being a perfectionist. I laid at the foot of the cross and I ask you for your mercy tonight. I confess areas of my heart is sin. Forgive me and wash me clean tonight. Give me your grace to walk in love even as you are love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.
meditate on this and we'll get ready to climb higher on the mountain with Jesus. I know we're climbing higher. Rick Joyner wrote the book about the quest. And in his two books he spoke about in the last days the vision that God gave him was the believers will be climbing mountains. And the higher you go, the more arrows are shot at you. Very interesting book. It's a vision. More arrows of the enemy that are shot at you. And the higher you go, the more open you are to be hit by the enemy. So we've got to guard ourselves that the higher we go, the taste of victories we taste and the blessings we receive, the more we're blessed, the more open we are for the enemy. And so God is bringing maturity to us so that we can walk in love and walk in forgiveness and, and preferring one another as the Bible taught us in the love of Christ Jesus. So thank God the work He begun in us, He is finishing it. Amen? Amen. Now don't leave here condemned. If you're fighting an error, you say, I just can't forgive. Just say, I forgive them by faith. I forgive them by faith. I'll, I'll just end with, with this story. I know we've passed our time. But uh, I've shared this with you. Some of you haven't heard that my wife and I, a few years ago, was preaching in South Louisiana. And, and as I was given the altar call, we had uh, some ladies start manifesting demonic spirits and fall on the floor. And I went to pray for this one lady to my right off the pulpit. And, and this big tall lady came and stood in front of me and she said, you can't have her. I said, why not? She says, she's mine. I said, well, who are you? And she said, she was talking to the deep voice. She says, I am darkness. I said, so what? I'm like, come out of her devil in the name of Jesus. And then she fell and I had some pastors take her to the side to start praying for her to bring her through deliverance. Well, I finished praying for everybody and everything, and she still wasn't free. So I went over there to help them, and we were going to minister her together. And I had a vision. And I saw her dancing on top of her dad's grave with a smile, and she was just dancing on his grave. And I said, sis, I said, in Jesus' name, listen to me. I said, I just had a vision of you dancing on your dad's grave. And it's like she hollered. And she goes, I did. She says, I was so happy when my dad died because of ways he, things he did to me. I danced on his grave and I was so happy that he was dead. I said, well, sis, if you want to get free, you're going to have to right now, by faith, no matter what cause, you've got to, by faith, you've got to forgive your dad. You've got to look at him. And you've got to say, Daddy, even though he's gone, you've got to say, Daddy, in my heart, by faith, I forgive you. And I release you from all the anger and the bitterness that I've held against you. And when she was able to do that by faith, it released her for the blessing of deliverance. That right there was holding her back from the inherited blessing. And so there are areas that sometimes you have to, by faith I forgive them. Lord, you know, I'm weak in myself. I'm weak in myself. I can't. I can't. I've tried and I can't. I've bought all the books and all the tastes. I've listened to Joyce Myers every day. I can't bring myself to forgive them. But by faith, I desire to. Help me and give me your agape love. To love them like you love And then God will give you the love that we saw demonstrating Corey Ten Boone. To go back to that German soldier who had killed her sister. Go back to him. And he repent before her. And she better look at him and say, He forgives you and so do I. That's the light to this world. Hallelujah. Listen, we bless you. We love you. Um, if you need prayer, we'll be here to minister to you. But God bless you. Hug your neck. Tell somebody you love them. And uh, God bless you. Amen.